Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate your willingness to lead us this morning as we worship the Lord. If you have your Bibles, if you would take them and turn to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2 this morning. 1 John is towards the end of your Bible. You have Revelation as the last book, and then Jude, and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So we want to go to 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at a couple verses here this morning. Uh, we're going to look at uh, this passage here this morning in 1 John. And then next week we're going to dig in and we're going to start a series as we walk through the book of Acts. All right, we're going to walk through the book of Acts, and uh, the book is labeled Acts of the Apostles. Um, it's also, if you look at the book of Acts, it's really walking through um, how the church began and how the gospel message spread uh, from Jerusalem and spread to the world. And so we'll start that series next week as we begin in the book of Acts. But this morning I want to share uh, a little bit of what's been going on in my heart and my life. And this passage in 1 John kind of stuck out to me. And so I want to share that. Thank you for those of you who uh, said very kind and encouraging things uh, about our, us being away. We enjoyed our, our vacation and uh, our time away, the five of us. It was the first time for us to be together, just the five of us on vacation. And uh, usually we're with family or going to visit family or uh, with other people. It was just the five of us for that first week. And uh, we had an absolute blast. I'll share a little bit uh, about that and, and as we go through here. Uh, again, what God's teaching me. We also had the privilege of visiting Todd and Amy Smith. And if you don't know Todd and Amy, they're dear people uh, to us here that moved to Arkansas, or as my son says, Arkansas. And uh, as we as we went, we were able to spend a couple days with them. And Todd and Amy send their greetings. Uh, they appreciate so much your uh, uh, your thoughts, your prayers, especially for Todd's dad as he went through uh, surgery, open heart surgery. Uh, a couple months ago, his dad's doing well. Todd and Amy are doing very well. We just loved our time visiting with them. And uh, they would just ask if you would pray that they would be able to come back. They want to get back. And so pray that God would uh, allow that to happen sooner than later. And I think we helped them uh, feel like they were missing home a little bit, which is good. Uh, we we miss them. And they're great, great and godly people who uh, we love greatly. Um, this morning we want to uh, look at this passage, and it took me back to when I was in high school, uh, which seems like not that long ago, but then when I really stop and think about it, it was much longer than what I think it was. But I remember going back, uh, I remember the locker room and uh, being an athlete, being a cross-country runner, a track runner, but also I played basketball. And in the locker room, in the boys' locker room, uh, there was above the heading on one of the, where the lockers were, uh, it, it said this statement, it said, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? And as an athlete, there's a lot of talkers. And so that was there to remind us, uh, can you do it? Are you going to perform? And uh, that's what we want to look at today, because ultimately that's what John is writing. He's written here for us in this passage in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, he's talking about those of us who claim Jesus as our Savior. What does our walk look like? And so let's, let's read this, uh, these two verses. Uh, I start in the second part of, of verse 5, 1 John 2. It's up there 
uh, for you. It says this, by this we may know that we are in him. John's writing to encourage the believers, and he's saying this we may know that we are in Christ. Whoever says that he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so John is writing and saying, hey, this is a way that you can know that you are in Jesus Christ. If you say that you abide in him, you will walk like he walked. You're going to walk like Jesus walked. And so we want to dig into this. Would you pray with me before we dig in? Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you would use it, that it would penetrate our hearts. Change us, Lord. We need change. We need encouragement. We need conviction of our sin, of our disobedience. Uh, we also need to see your grace and your mercy. And so this morning, I pray that you would help us to see that so that when we leave here today, we would be changed, different people, because we've met with the true and living God. We love you. Thank you for this privilege, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I want to unpack these couple verses, um, and I want us to talk about our walks, um, our walk with Christ. And when we look at this, it reminds me of the song In the Garden. And how many of you know that old hymn, In the Garden? And I walk with him and I talk with him, right? Um, if you don't know it, you can look it up. There's a YouTube video, I'm sure. Um, there's kind of two ways that you can look at your walk. Maybe the first way, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, you know, my walk's going great with God. I think I'm, I'm doing really well. Things are super. Or maybe you're in the other boat and you're like, you know what? My walk with God is not real good. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. So maybe there's three, all right? Three views of how your walk with, with Christ is going. And so today I want us, as we look at our walk, whether it's today or over the course of your life, what your walk does is your walk reveals much about your abiding in Christ. This, this term abiding in Christ is something that has really set into my soul. And uh, it came from a discussion uh, with Bishop Joey Johnson. Uh, we were having lunch and we were meeting. And, uh, and Bishop Joey has told me several times, and I don't know why, he's like, you're a lot like me. And we have some of the same wrestlings and same struggles as, as we lead our, our, our flocks. And uh, Bishop uh, just encouraged me to look at this passage in John, not this passage in 1 John, but in John 15, uh, verse 4, about abiding in Christ. And so as I've worked on this, part of my upbringing was, uh, was very good. Uh, it, a lot of it was good. But my upbringing was based a lot about making sure that I did what was right. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, Steve Adams is going to be teaching a class on the Ten Commandments here. And the Ten Commandments are really good. Uh, they help us to see our need for a savior. The law can't save us, though. And so in that, um, I was raised in such a way that, and it's not anybody's fault. It's my fault because I probably didn't, I didn't get it. Part of like I didn't pay attention to history class. And so now when we go to, we visited the arch on the way through St. Louis. And so we went through this museum that's down below the arch and it's free. And I'd encourage you to do it. But, but there's like eight different stations and I'm on station one and Lene's already been through it all. And she's like, dad, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I'm reading, stop reading. 
I'm like, I didn't pay attention in history class. I got to get all this. And so when I say that, my upbringing, I, I probably was taught it, but I just didn't get it. I, I was basing my relationship so much on Christ about what I was doing. And it, and it failed, I failed to see the grace and the mercy and the love of God. It was basing my relationship on God about my works. And that, that I knew that God loved me, but I felt like every time I messed up that, oh, this is the bad reason why. This is, this is the reason why something failed or I lost my homework or, the, or something broke. It was because, see, I, I disobeyed God. Uh, I, I, I don't believe God works that way. I do believe God loves his children, and sometimes he does discipline us in order to draw us back. But that discipline is an act of grace. It's an act of God's mercy because he loves us so much. It's not out of hate. It's not out of judgment. And in fact, uh, this, uh, this passage, we see a long word propitiation that we're going to talk about in just a minute. That word propitiation means the, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. So the full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. I don't experience the wrath of God when he looks at me because he sees Jesus. He sees the blood of Jesus, his son, which, which paid for all that I owed, which is absolutely amazing. And so when we look at this, when we look at our walk, how you view God is critical in how you walk with him. And so if I'm trying to do everything that I can to stay in a straight line and to follow his commandments and to do all that he says I've got to do, it becomes very rigid. And you, you very much feel like you're, you always fall short, that you can never please God enough. And instead, if you look at our relationship with God as one where we are a branch and that we're, we've been grafted into a relationship with God, we get to abide in him. We get to rest in him. We get to find comfort in him. We get to know that as I go throughout the day, I don't have to be stressed out because I have a God who is in control of all things. And if something goes bad, that's part of his plan for me, that individually God knows every single one of us. And he knows how many hairs are on top of your head. He knows when a sparrow falls from the sky. He has equipped the, the lilies of the field with the flowers. And yet how much more will he give us all that we need if we will just abide in him? But sin has enticed us and sin causes us to walk in opposition of God thinking that we can do it, that I can live my life on my own. I can do my own thing that I question, is God really good enough? Does he really have my, does he have this under control? Does he have my best intention through this? You ever have those thoughts? Ever have the in part of even your subconscious as you go throughout your day? See, abiding in Christ is all about a relationship. It's all about coming to him and realizing that the only way we can come to him is because of what God has already done for us. The fact that he gave his son Jesus and that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. That we love because God first loved us. God demonstrated his love for us that even when we were his enemy, even though we had nothing to bring to him, that Christ died for us. That's absolutely amazing, isn't it? And that our walk, your walk every day, if you say that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your walk 
will show whether that's true or not. Now, that walk isn't based upon keeping the rules, though. That walk, what John is saying is you're going to walk like Jesus when you abide in him. When you're, when you're so set in him that he just rubs off of you. I don't know if you can remember this. Some of you who are really, really young won't remember this, but those of us who are older know about this. When we used to go to the bowling alley, remember going to the bowling alley in the back, of the, back in the day? And when you went to the bowling alley, you left your jacket in the car because you knew if you went to the bowling alley, that smell was going to go with you. Um, now they, they don't have smoking in the bowling alleys, but you guys know what I'm talking about. That, that scent just became part of you. You were in there for that little bit of time, and when you left, you became so used to it that, that it didn't even affect you. And so when you left and you went home, your parents or your siblings, where were you? What were you doing? Or your parents were like, hey, how did bowling go tonight? You know? Like, it became part of you. That's, that's a good picture of our walk with Jesus. When we, when we spend time with Jesus, abiding in him, it just is like this aroma that, that hits our soul. It becomes something in us that changes us and helps us and guides us. And see, going to bowling once uh, to have that aroma is not going to last. Going to Jesus once a week is not going to help you abide in him to be able to trust in him and to learn all the things that God has for you to learn. It's an everyday abiding in him. So we want to look at that. Um, Romans chapter 12 verses nine through 21 is a passage in which uh, we see um, really how a Christian, how a Christ follower should walk. And I don't want to focus too much on this um, this morning because that's part of your daily walk with Jesus. Your daily abiding in him is to see how he walked so that we can walk like he walked, uh, so that we can talk like he talked, so that we can um, let our lives show that we are truly followers of Jesus Christ. Um, but I want to read to you this passage, and you can listen or you can follow along. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And Paul says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's, a, if you want to see a summary of how we are to walk as Christ followers, 
and you start looking at what Paul writes, there's stories that go on in my mind where I think about Jesus and how he walked and how he, uh, here were religious leaders who became the enemy of Jesus and how did Jesus treat them? Uh, it goes contrary to how our world tells us to react and how do we are to walk and respond in our life. If somebody does you wrong, what are you to do? Get right. Make it right. That's not what Jesus says. It's not what God's word says. Jesus says, turn another cheek. When we start looking at our walk, there is only one source that's going to help us to know the way to walk. And that's the word of God. And that's why I encourage you and, and I plead with you again. Take, would you take 20 minutes of your time every morning, set it aside and Maybe you can't do it in the morning. You say, I'm not a morning person. That's fine. Do 20 minutes at night then or 20 minutes during your lunch break. Take 20 minutes of your day and spend it in the word and praying and asking God to work in your heart. It will change your life. That first 20 minutes, it sets you up for a walk and a path where if you sit long enough to the Lord, if you sit with him and you listen to him, it changes your life. So that when you are abiding in him, all of a sudden, your walk shows that that's true. What John is saying in 1 John, he's saying, listen, there are some of you, there are some of you that are saying that you abide in Christ, but your walk doesn't show it. Let me tell you, he says, let me tell you, if you want to know that you're really in him, if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ, your walk will show that you abide in him. And so let your walk show it. Now, if you're anything like me, you make mistakes. Anybody make mistakes? So I'm abiding in Christ, right? I'm trying to live the walk, but what happens? I look really great on Sundays. I treat everybody well here. I smile, even those people who may dislike some aspect of my appearance or what I said, and I handle it appropriately. But I go home and something happens and I mess up, right? I make a mistake. I get upset. I get angry. And you guys are almost all perfect, I'm sure. So your walk is probably a little bit better than mine. Um, here's the question. What happens when we fail in our walk? And this is where God has been working in me and, and challenging me and encouraging me. I want to give you an example of this. Uh, we were on vacation and uh, we were uh, looking, I was looking forward as we packed everything up. Uh, we went down and we packed up some games and we put them in a, a Rubbermaid bin. And there was one game that I was really, really looking forward to. And of course, when we were packing it up, uh, one of my children uh, said, I don't want to play that game. And they were not looking forward to playing that game. And so that's okay. Day one goes by, we didn't play a game, but there was a miniature golf course uh, where we were at and we got to play this for free and it was fun. And uh, so we set up some, some, some rules and guidelines that the person who finished first got to choose that night what movie or game we were gonna play. And the person who finished last had to do dishes, all right? And so then we came up with some other rules and other things. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I finished first. And so I was excited about that. And so I kind of got the hint from, from 
somebody significant in my family that they wanted to watch a certain movie. So we watched that movie that night. Well, we played another game, and so we set up the rules, and everybody agreed to them, even though uh, there's still some controversy about that. They, I, I set up the rules with all of their approvals, and so in that same way, the person who finished first got to choose the game or the movie. And so, of course, as Zach would say, Dad, you win everything. I won that day. It was only by two strokes. It was really close. All right. So I am super excited to play this game. I don't know about you, but I can't wait because I got this game for my birthday and this extension packet and last year, and we've never played the extension packet and I've been waiting. And so I've been waiting a couple days. We were three days into our vacation and I'm like, okay, today, tonight is the night. So, when my wife suggests that we needed to go do something else because of time restraints, I reluctantly, selfishly did not respond very well. That's how I responded. And she let me know later that I was acting like one of my children. I was kind of throwing a fit that I didn't get my way. And so I would throw a fit like my child. I say this to give you a glimpse into our lives. I am not a perfect man. And, and you know that. Those of you who know me, you know that. You know we're not, a, we're not perfect people. None of us are perfect. That's why we need a Savior, Jesus. And, and yet there are times in our life where we just are going to make mistakes and we're going to fail. And I don't know if we talk about this enough in the church as we walk through the word about what happens when our walk doesn't back up our talk. And so this morning, I want us to think about that. And really, that's the challenge because your walk should show your abiding in Christ. It should show it. And if you're not happy with your walk, abide more in Christ. Spend more time with him. Be quiet. Listen to him. What happens when we do fail? We need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves before God first and then before others. Uh, the great part about this uh, passage, if you're still open to 1 John, it's, it won't be up on the screen, but I, I want to read it to you. 1 John 2, John starts this chapter and he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So he's encouraging the believers, okay, I'm writing these because I don't want you to sin. Now, the next word is critical, but, all right, but if anyone does sin, he's not excusing it, but he realizes that we're all going to fail and make mistakes. Uh, very early in my pastorate, I had a phone call uh, from a gentleman who challenged me on uh, parts of Romans and, and, and about how when we become believers in Christ, um, that we shouldn't sin anymore. And he, he said, Pastor, do you sin? And I said, yes, I do. He said, well, then you must not be a true believer. And I said, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I said, just because I've trusted Jesus as my Savior doesn't take away my sinful nature, but it breaks the bonds of sin that sin no longer holds me down. 
that I'm able to not sin now because the spirit of God lives inside of me. But that doesn't mean that I don't still sin because I have a sinful nature. And so that's what John is saying here. So don't, don't be confused. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, you're asking him to come into your life to be your God and to forgive you of your sin. It is our goal is to walk with Jesus. Let me tell you, our, if your goal is to sin less, you're looking at the wrong thing. If your goal is to look at Jesus and abide with Jesus, knowing that as you abide with Jesus, you will be sinning less, that's it. Be more like Jesus. If we're more like Jesus, we're going to sin less, but we still make mistakes. And that's where John says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is the amazing thing about as we have our relationship with the Lord. As we're abiding in Christ, we make mistakes. Here we are, and we fail. And, and I made a super huge mistake, not only in that moment of throwing my little hissy fit of looking forward to this, playing this game, but then in the moment later when, when I did, when we did play the game, there was reserved up in me some animosity and just some frustration. And, and here was that even in those moments when we fail and even when we make a mistake, that Jesus is standing there on our behalf talking to the Father. That he's our advocate. Some of you may say, well, I don't need no advocate. Well, listen, I need a big advocate. I need a big advocate because I fail all the time. And I get sick and I get tired of failing and usually it's some of the same things that I continue to fail and make mistakes in. Maybe you're like that. But find hope today. There is hope because Jesus can be your advocate. And I love what John says here. Jesus, the righteous one. See, Jesus is perfect. He lived a perfect and sinless life. That's why he could be our perfect sacrifice. And when Jesus lived a perfect life, that gave him the right to be our advocate, to stand on our behalf to go to the Father and to say, I paid for that sin. Father, you know how much you love them because they're one of mine. And so when we make mistakes, we need to humble ourselves before God and before others, but we have an advocate and we can take great, we can take great comfort in knowing that God isn't trying to throw us to the side. He isn't saying, I'm done with you. He loves us. And Jesus is there going on our behalf. We need to confess the wrong. And we need to ask for forgiveness. We start with God and then we go to others that we've wronged. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? To forgive us of our sin. 1 John 1, 9. Oh, that was just a few verses before this section. Isn't that amazing? If we mess up, confess it. You know what gets in my way? Pride. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't react like that. Um, yes, you did, Aaron. Let me show you what that looked like. And having girls is much different, right? And this is a side thing. 
You can say one thing to a boy and it's like, okay, dad, I get it. You say something to the, ah, it's like, okay, I didn't mean it that way. But that's what you said. No, I didn't mean it that way. Listen, we have a God who wants us to come to him when we fail and mess up. Our lives, when we look at the grace of God around us, we talked about, Pastor Ed mentioned it, the song that we sang, the 10,000 reasons how God has blessed us. God wants to hear from us. And so if you're afraid, if you're fearful of going to God, I want to remind you this morning, he wants to hear from you. There's nothing that's hidden from his sight. He already knows it, but he wants to hear it from you because it is an act of humility for me to come before God, the living God, and say, God, I messed up. And he wants to hear that from us. Just as when somebody does us wrong, we want to hear that. As my children disobey something that I blatantly told them, what do I want to hear from them? That I'm sorry that I disobeyed you. Will you please forgive me? Our Heavenly Father desires to hear from us. Stop thinking that he's this huge, great beast that's ready to beat you up every time you make a mistake. Now, in this, let me caution you. See, there's two sides. We have to be careful. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. He is mighty. And as we read the word, we see that any interaction with God, people are scared, literally scared to death. God is the creator of all the universe. And so we cannot flippantly just view God as just some other person. God desires for us to come to him, but we come in humility and we come in awe. And we come in amazement because the living God who created all actually desires a relationship with us. We also read in scripture about confessing to others. Matthew 5 verses 23 and 24 says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. Go make it right. See, there's something about this walk that is both horizontal and vertical. And it's critical that we keep those as much as we possibly can to keep those, that communication clear and that we keep it clean. I can't clean it, but when I confess it, God washes it clean. It doesn't mean there isn't hurt. It doesn't mean that there isn't hardship. It just means that there is healing that can be involved when we confess. When we confess, when we do something wrong, when our walk doesn't match up with our talk. Another aspect of this is we need to show grace and mercy to those who stumble I think uh, we're very quick in our day and age, especially where we're quick to cast judgment upon people. We see that in our media. We see that in our news. We see that all around us. You cannot see, you, you can't live without seeing people jump to conclusions. And let me, let me reinforce 
I love this. Vince, I've never forgotten this. Vince, in one of our, our deacons meetings years ago, said this, and it gave me a great perspective, and I don't think it's inappropriate here. I think it uh, gives us a picture. You really don't know what's going on in somebody else's life, and he meant this in, in a household, until you are sleeping between the sheets. Meaning, unless you're there, you don't really know. Yet we have a God who sees it all, he knows it all, but sometimes we think that we can have the proper perspective and that we look at other people and that we have it all together in a sense that we can come to the right judgment. That's not what Jesus did. How did Jesus view people? He was very loving and kind, especially to all those in the world. He was a little bit more strict and stern with those who thought that he knew it all. The religious leaders, he humbled. Others, he lifted up. So we need to think of the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. And it reminds us that here is this man who owed a great debt and the king forgave him. And yet he went out and he had a servant who owed him a little debt, a little amount. And he got very angry at that man and threw him into jail, had him thrown into jail. And when the king found out, he had this servant come to him and say, what, were you, what are you thinking? I forgave you an enormous amount. And yet you weren't willing to forgive this little debt here. Guys, that is us. That's a picture of you and me and how we view people. God has forgiven us of all of our sin. And yet when we view people and we look at people, when they, when they fail or when they make mistakes, we are so critical and quick to be derogatory, to be judgmental. And so is our walk showing that we're abiding in Christ? No. Is that person's walk showing that they're abiding in Christ? No. But as you walk and abide with Christ, we need to also show the same grace and mercy that God shows to you and I when we make mistakes to show that to other people. Some situations, it's more difficult than others. I know there's a lot of hurt in our world today because there's a lot of sin in our world today. But let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. God has forgiven us. Is there too great a sin of someone that you can't forgive them? Mark 11 says, and whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. The last aspect today is taking that hope and strength that God will help us to overcome. We have a God who has shown us what overcoming looks like. The fact that Jesus hung on a cross, he died there, he was put in a grave. Yet, what did Jesus do? He conquered sin and death. He overcame the grave. We have a God who overcomes what is dark because he is the light. And we have the hope of as we abide in him and we walk with him each day 
that he will help us to do that same, to overcome as we abide with him. And so take hope that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that spirit lives inside of you and me today. So abide in Christ, John 15, 4. Enjoy his presence, his working, his leading. Wait upon him. Listen to him. It's a continual day after day. Step by step. And ultimately, as we see in our earthly relationships, it takes time. In a world that pushes us to be busy and to do all the things that we need to do, let me encourage you that this week you'll take time to abide in Christ. Because there's no shortcut. There's, There's no way to get around it or to make it simpler than to spend time with God. Surrender. Find real rest in him. You get to yield to his ways. You get to grow in your faith. You get to trust. And as you trust God more and more, it becomes easier to obey him. There's not one of you that sit here today who are perfect. We've all disobeyed. But we have a God who loves us greatly. Who hasn't just saved us for eternity, but he's allowed us to be a part of his kingdom now. And that kingdom is a relationship with him. And we get to abide in him every day. What does that look like for you? Do you say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Let me encourage you. Let your walk show that. And the only way that walk will show that is if you abide in him, not by keeping the rules, not by keeping the list, not by trying your best because you're going to continue to fail just as I do. But listen, how you will succeed in walking the walk will be the more time you spend abiding in Christ. That's why when I look at some of the pillars that we've had here at West Hill, the, the, we'll call them saints, those who loved the Lord and who walked with, who, who listened to him, it was because they learned through the course of their life to abide in Christ. And so if we can get that today, how much further can we be down the road? And our, our generations to come, that they would look at us as people who aren't just trying to live the way the world says, but to live in a way that shows the grace and the mercy and the love of God. A way that says these people don't just care about their rules and their regulations that they look a certain way. These people really care about the Lord and about other people. That will only happen if you spend time abiding in Christ. Will you make that a priority this week? That's your choice. I can't make that choice for you. Just as a coach can give, draw up the play and he gives it to his players and they say, okay, go execute it. The coach can't perform it. All he can do is equip them. Today you've heard God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to know you more. He wants you to know him more. Will you spend that time with him? Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us here to be in your word, to be challenged, 
to be encouraged. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would help us. Help us to know what it looks like this week, even this day. Lord, just as we need to plan financially, we put together a budget. We need to plan for our work and what that schedule looks like. We need to plan as we take kids to school or their activities. Lord, help us not to be lazy when it comes to planning our time with you. And allow, Lord, help us not allow activity and other things to get in the way of what is most crucial in our life. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, help us to place abiding in you, walking with you, spending time in your word, and praying and listening to you. Help us to put that as the priority of our lives. Lord, I believe that you are doing something great in our midst. I praise you and thank you for that. Continue to draw us closer, Lord. Forgive us when we fail. Humble us that we may be quick to confess to you and to one another when we do fail. Lord, thank you for never giving up on us, for always loving us. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.